0: Everyone wants to fit in, and I think it starts from a very early age. When we first go to school, we want to fit in, we want to hopefully find a group that we can identify with and be a part of, and I don't believe that that ever really changes. I think that that is something that sticks with us all the way through our lives, from uh, Little nursery school right up through elementary school and all the rest of the schools, (laughs) amen? Middle school, high school, college. You get out into your career, nothing changes, just the types of identifications that you're looking to make. There's a scene in the movie Jobs. It's the movie where Ashton Kutcher plays Steve Jobs, in the story of Apple and and all that. And there's a scene, if you've seen the movie, there's a scene where Steve Wozniak, who was Steve Jobs' partner in founding Apple, and they had seen this thing kind of blow up into this whole thing. Of course, Jobs, you know, was the point person and, you know, in that sense, took a lot of the credit (laughs) And there's a scene where Steve Wozniak is coming into Steve Jobs' office and he's basically telling Steve Jobs that he's leaving Apple. And he says, You know, you know why I left Hewlett-Packard and joined up with you, Steve, and and, and did this thing with you? Because I just wanted to be part of the guys. I just wanted to be one of the guys. And I don't think that that feeling ever really changes. I think that that's, a, that's something that we have in, in, of, in, in and of our, our lives, in, in, inside of us. And I think it's a longing for the one place that we can all be a part and fit in, and that's the family of God. There is a place that we can be a part, and fit in, and be kind of one of the guys, so to speak. And that's in the church. That's in the body of Christ. And in this section of Scripture that we're going to look at tonight, this is really the message that Paul uh, puts out, that there is a place for each person that has given their life to Christ. When we give our life to Christ, we looked at those first two verses in chapter 12 to in view of God's mercy, to present yourself, to present your body as a living sacrifice to God. And whoever does that, whoever presents themselves to God, you come into the family of God, and you come into the kingdom of God. And when that happens, there's a place for you. You're part of the family. You're one of the sons and daughters of the king. So we're going to take a look at this tonight, what it means to be in the body, what it means to be a part of the body of Christ. But it starts in one very important place, and that's actually having a practical self-estimate of ourselves. So let's look at this. Pick it up, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, To everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. When you give your life to God, hopefully, when you did that, well, I think in order to do that correctly, you have to humble yourself before God. You have to find that place of humility, and hopefully you find you kind of dial that in to that place where it's the right kind of humility. There's a, there is a humility that is the right kind of humility. And Paul says here, it's important for us to think about ourselves correctly. It's important that as a Christian that we have what I like to call a practical self-estimate an estimation of ourself that is practical, that is right, that is correct in view of who God is, in view of our place within the body of Christ, in view of the gifts given to us, amen? So we need a practical self-estimate. Paul is telling the church at Rome this and us tonight. He's telling them this by the grace given to him. And so in that sense, there's a grace given to him And he is acting out as a part of the body delivering this message to other parts of the body. And so in a sense, he is literally kind of, even in writing this and saying this, he is acting out what it actually means to be a part of the body and fulfill that place and that role and that purpose that God has for us in the body. So he says, I'm telling you this by the grace given to me. And the grace given to Paul was the grace of God to call him into the, what to be a part of the church, to, to knock him off of his horse and blind him, right? When he's on the road to Damascus, he goes, he's led into Damascus blind and all that. And the next thing you know, he is in the church. He's part of the body of Christ. He's called to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And so there was a the grace given to him to do this. And so he's saying, by the grace given to me, I'm telling you this. So he's operating in, uh, in his gift, in his part, uh, in his place in the body of Christ. And so what does Paul say there? He says, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We need to be realistic. We need to have a a practical self-estimate. We need to have a a proper humility. And uh, a a proper humility is is being humble before God and seeing our lives as God sees it, right? Because God is the there's literally one person that can actually fully see us as we really are. I mean, we think we know ourselves, but we don't even really know ourselves, you know? Sometimes that's kind of (laughs) comforting. I know I'm glad somebody's got me figured out, right? (laughs) Uh, But uh, so man, there's no other better place to go than to humble ourselves before God and allow God to give us a practical view of ourselves and where we need to be in the body of Christ. He says nobody should think more highly, think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. So part of humility is is actually the the idea of humility of humble. I mean, you don't think of the word humble without the idea of kind of like making, bringing yourself low, right? You know, you, you know humility is kind of that, humbling ourselves before God, and bringing ourselves low, bringing our, our, us to our knees. And that's why God uh, resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? And, and the person who humbles themselves before God um, begins to see themselves how God sees them. First, as a non-believer in desperate need of God. But then after God takes care of that desperate need, then there's that, that correct view, that practical view of who we are before God and who we are in the church. And so we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. We're to think soberly. What does it mean to think soberly? Well, the word there means this, to be of sound mind, to be in one's right mind, uh, to exercise self-control, to be to put a moderate estimate upon oneself to think of oneself soberly to curb one's passion. So this idea of thinking soberly is literally this idea of how we're thinking of ourselves. That we're thinking of ourselves with a moderate estimate, with I think, a, a, a correct estimate, a, a, a godly estimate. But the first part of that phrase there is, we're not to think more highly. And this is probably because this is the problem that we, that, that if, you know, we have a problem with thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. And, um, and so we're not, to, we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Um, we're not to, in other words, I think, you know, Paul's saying here, we're not to have an unrealistic view. And so we're not to think more highly of ourselves, but we're also not to think, I don't think we're to think too lowly of ourselves. I, I think I think what this is talking about is having the correct view of ourselves, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing that we've been brought out of the miry clay and our, and our feet have been set upon a rock, and knowing that You know, as Paul would say in other letters, without him, we can do nothing. Without him, we can can do nothing, right? You know, literally, without him, we can do nothing. Paul told the Colossians that in him, all things consist. In Christ, all things consist. In other words, Paul is saying that Christ is the one who made the world and is literally holding it all together. And so if he's holding it all together, we literally we cannot do anything without Christ, without God. And so thinking about who he is, what his role is, and where we stand in relationship to him will help us to think correctly about ourselves. Um, I think, you know, people. this is a major struggle. Let's just be honest. This is probably, like if you surveyed, if you did a survey a grand survey i mean this is probably one of the major issues uh in our in the world and probably at all times but like it seems like to me that in this time like it's almost like multiplied it's almost multiplied because we have we have um you know the internet and we have social media where it's about kind of presenting yourself like in the best possible light you know, that you possibly can, you know, those jokes about like, you know, me on Instagram and me at home with my, you know, sitting in my underwear, Re- you know, the real, the real me, you know. <clears throat> you know, you know, and they show the different pictures, you know, you cropped out all the bad, you know, garbage and, you know, presented yourself and you know, no, there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, we're going to present a good, you know, part of ourselves. But, but what Paul's saying is here is having a, a practical Estimate of our lives. So on the point of thinking too highly, there are people that think too highly of themselves. And the problem here is if we think we're thinking too highly of ourselves, God it's it's harder for God to really use a person that has too high of a view of themselves to the degree and to the in in the way that God wants to really use that person, right? And I think the, the, the corollary would be true. Someone who has such a negative view of themselves, uh, such, such a low view of themselves. Um, and that's why humility, a, a, a real definition of humility, is not kind of, woe is me, I'm no good. I'm just, a, you know, I'm just you know, dog meat, you know, or whatever, you know. <laughs> that, that's, not, that's not humility either. That's really, like, honestly, a false humility. And... I don't know which one's worse, really, to be honest with you. I mean, a false humility can come, come off as kind of a false low humility can actually come off as a false high humility. Mm-hmm. Because people that have that false humility, kind of they're saying things and, and wanting to make you think that they, they don't think highly of themselves, when in reality they think too highly of themselves. are you with me tonight? This is a major problem. This is a major issue. And I see it almost in everything that I see and everything that I look at. There's a business guru uh, that I listened to a little bit, and he he's an encourager. This guy is encouraging. a very successful business person. And I won't tell you who he is, um, but he is... One of the things that he says is when people come to his meetings and things, the number one issue that, he, that, that people come to, young people, young people that want to be business people, entrepreneurs, the number one thing that is going on in their lives is they don't feel like they measure up. They don't feel like they can do it. They, 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 they don't feel like they're, uh, uh, they're, 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 they're the material that can do it. And he says, a lot of what I do is actually standing in front of people and telling people that they can do it, that they, that they can do it. And, um, and so that's why we need to throw out the false low humility, the false high humility, and we need to be honest with ourselves and God. And you know I've said this before, you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. And you say, wool over God's eyes? Where does that come from? Well, in the book of Revelation, the vision of Christ is that he, he has his hair of wool, right? <laughs> you know? And so you know, people down through history have run with this and cartoons and stuff, and God is this old man with wool you know, hair and all this. But what they forget to depict in those cartoons is that the text in Revelation 1 also says that his eyes are like fire you know so you can't pull he may have hair of wool but you can't pull it over his eyes cuz he's got eyes of fire and he's going to look right into the center of your soul yes. and he knows exactly what's going on so you can't pull the wool over God's eyes and you can't fool him and if you can't fool God man just give up on yourself and <laughs> and, and, and 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 you know give up on yourself and give yourself to the lord and let him do a work in you and build you up from the inside so that you can be that person that God's made you to be. And that's what he wants to do. From the moment you give your life to Christ, he wants to build you up in his person, in his character, with his uh, characteristics mm-hmm. so that you can, be, you can, you can just feel, fulfill that role, that place in the body of Christ. What I have found in the ministry And, um, you know, I don't know, call it, I guess, a little, you know, there's part of it, I guess, you know, going into the ministry. I mean, I've been in the ministry for for 26 years now, so it's not like I I can't, you know, I, I can't. Play it off like I'm a greenhorn anymore, you know I, I you know, but I tell you what when I first started off, I was like just you know everyone wants to everyone in the church wants to serve the Lord and do the ministry and get in there and buckle up and roll up our sleeves and do oh wow, was I in for a rude awakening <laughs> oh my goodness, all the the posturing and all the stuff going on and everyone questioning everyone's motives and 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 projecting all their garbage onto you and everyone else around oh my goodness oh my goodness and people get hurt by all that mm-hmm. people get hurt by all that and you know what the shame of it all is is if you get hurt if you allow that hurt to push you away from god it's because you you needed to have your eyes on god yes. and not on all of this stuff in the first place we've got we're looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith yes, yes. there's one person that has never let me down there's one person that's never let you down amen? amen and his name is jesus and he sees you perfectly with hair of wool and eyes of fire <laughs> amen? amen so think soberly think right about ourselves, amen? amen. And uh, we need to think, Paul goes on he says, we need to think of ourselves in accordance with the faith of God. God has given to each believer a measure of faith. He's given you a measure of faith. To believe in him, to believe, to, to trust him, And for him, for you to place your 100% confidence in him that he is going to bring to completion the work that he started in you from the moment that you gave your heart to him. And that's the promise. That's the promise. And that's why Paul says to the Philippians, he says, being confident in this thing that he, what? Being confident in this thing that he who began a good work will bring it to completion. Amen. So we have a measure of faith. We're confident in the work of God that He's doing. And hopefully that kind of puts a like a like a regulator <laughs> in our heart and soul and mind. You know, because we got tendencies like, you know, sometimes you think, man, I'm crushing it. I'm killing it. You know <laughs> I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm unbelievable. I'm just, yeah. And then sometimes you're like, man, I am just worthless. I am just, you know, just everybody forget about me, you know, move on, you know. And we need a regulator. We need that work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that says, you know, no, I, I got you. And you're right here. And you're right here. And I just need you to be faithful. And I need you to, 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 to have that, have your eyes on me. And, and, and I'll, help you. I'll help you to maintain a sober view of yourself within this life and within the body of Christ. Amen? Yeah, amen. So that's where it all starts. And then he moves on. He says, the, the, there is a part. There is a place for you. Now, it, well, actually, what he says is, you are a part. You are a part. Let's pick it up, verse 4. He says this, For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function... So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Let's pause right there. So we start with having a practical self-estimate. The second thing is we realize that we are a part. We are a part of the body of Christ. We should, we should know that, that we are a member of the body of Christ. The analogy that is used here of the church is the analogy of a body. And this is, a, this is an analogy that is used throughout the New Testament. And you see hints of it in the Old Testament even. But in the New Testament, you have the body of Christ. You have the head who is the church, or the Christ who is the head, Amen. What did I say? The head who is the church? That was not correct. Okay, <laughs> take that off the recording. The head who is Christ and the body, which is the people, right? And we're a member of the body. We're a member of the body. So I think it's a good, it's a, it's a good parallelism, right? Because obviously he's putting in our minds a physical Example of something, but he wants to see us that's very spiritual in nature. Being a member of the body of Christ is something that's a spirit, it's a spiritual thing and it's a spiritual place, but he's using this example of a body to demonstrate it so that we can wrap our minds around it and we can see it from a you know, you know, in a parallelism in the physical sense, right? So you have the body of Christ, you know, being seen in, in this idea of a physical body. And he says, you're you're members of the body. Look at verse four. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. We have many members in one body. So you're a part of the body. You're a part of the body. And to be a part of this body, it's very important that we have an understanding, we have that practical self-estimate that we're thinking soberly. Because you can't have a part of your body going weird, you know, just going nuts and going, no, 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 that's not what you do. <laughs> you know, like I've got this broken arm, and like one of my parts of my body has been suffering lately. And I remember about a couple, two, four weeks ago, okay, this is six weeks ago, so maybe like two, like four weeks ago. I remember I was laying in bed, and I, I take the, this um, off at night so I can straighten my arm out. And, and my arm is all cramped up from being in the sling all day, and it's just the muscles. And I and I look over, and my arm right here is just going nuts. It's just going, you know. And 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 Mary Jo was out somewhere, and I'm laying there, and I reached over, and I grabbed my phone. I'm going to take a video of this because <laughs> this is wild. I mean, I've we've all had twitchy stuff, you know, going on, but this was, like, insane, you know. And so it's going nuts, and just when I figured out how to shoot video <laughs> with my phone with the light on so that I could catch it, it stopped. So I don't have, I was going to throw that up on the screen, but I don't have it tonight. But it's important that one of our parts of our body doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. go off. And maybe that is important. Maybe that was releasing some tension or something. I don't know. Um, but but that we have a practical view of ourselves and that we realize that we're a member of the body and each member of the body has a function and the function serves the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, if you realize that, man, it really takes a, it it, it just kind of, you know, the way that the Lord has set everything up in this whole life, if you buy into his way of thinking, it really takes the pressure off. It really does. You know, from the beginning of creation, when he got through creation and then he rested, and he said, hmm, it's good. You know, and he rested and he called it the Sabbath day. I mean, God has, the first full day that man was alive was the Sabbath rest of the Lord. And that's the way that God has intended us. And that's why coming to Christ is coming to the Sabbath rest. Yes, yes. Is coming to Jesus, Is coming to the Sabbath rest. That's why my license plate says rest times two. <laughs> because I sell mattresses and I'm trying to give you Jesus, all right? <laughs> and so one way or the other, I'm trying to bring you to rest, to the rest of on a good mattress, to the rest in Jesus, amen? <laughs> but if you buy into the way the Lord has set everything up, he, it's, a, it's taking the pressure off. We just have to step up every day and be faithful to him, have that practical, sober self-estimate, realize we're a part of the body, we have a function in the body, and that function is to serve the body and just to be a part. You know? And then when you go through some type of trauma, hopefully you go through a healing process and you get this thing back, to where it can serve the body again, because my arm it wants to go like this, but it can't. You know, I went into the doctor, the orthopedic doctor, on Monday, and he took he he gave me this. Um, I don't know, it was like a bar, you know. And he said, "Hold this bar," and then he said, "Bring it up over your eyes." And I and I brought it up about here, and he goes, "No, no, no, but," and then I went, "Ah!" <laughs> <laughs> And he said, now I want you to do this five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. So hopefully we can get this thing, and then I'm going in for some physical therapy and all that good stuff. But the idea is that we're functioning as a member of the body. Mm -hmm. Amen? Mm -hmm. Now there's a lot to be said of this analogy, right? There's a lot to be said, and we're not going to belabor the point in this particular passage tonight, but I will just say this, that you know, finding out what part of the body you are is also that which will take the pressure off you so that you don't have to try to be that which you're not and that grace has not been given to you for that area, but it has been given to you a measure of grace for the specific function that God has for you. And so then that, again, can take the pressure off of you and then become a, a real benefit to everyone else. In another passage, Paul actually talks about this, and he says, if all of the body were an eye, where would the, where would the hearing be, right? And so on and so forth, and he goes through these other questions. If everybody was an ear, where would the, you know, this be? In a, and so we all can't be an eye. We all can't be an ear. We all can't be... You know, whatever. He says there's presentable parts and there's private parts. Right? Mm -hmm. But we love all of our parts. Amen? (laughs) God loves all the parts. I don't want to lose any of my parts. And Jesus doesn't want any parts missing either. And so he wants i tell you what, I've, I've heard this about like even your toe, like people that get like their toes cut off and stuff. That can be really bad. You think, oh, I don't need those. I don't need, just lop off a couple of them. No, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. Even your pinky toe, right? Well, just stub your one of your toes in the, in the <laughs> night and you'll find out real quick about. Amen function of the, bo- of, the, of the part, of the member, is to serve the body. But then he goes in and he gives an encouragement to, to, to be that part that you are, to practice that role, okay? And that's how I'm going to say it tonight. Let's pick it up, verse 6. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in the proportion of our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so Paul says here, having the gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Now, what I think this is right here is before Nike said, just do it, Paul said, just do it. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Let us use them. Let us be the part that we are. So whatever it is, whatever it is, Just do it. That's why I wore my Nikes tonight. Okay? Just do it. Just be the part that you are. We all have different gifts according to the grace. The the grace, the charismata, right? We all have gifts according to the grace given us. So let us use them. Let us use them. The body of Christ is held back by Christians, Christian people not using their gifts. It has been said before in scientific studies that the human brain, that most people only use a very small portion of their brain. Okay? Just think of how much you could do (laughs) if you started using a little bit more of your brain. Right? I think the figure is like 10% or under. And some of us would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm at 10%. I'm at 10 <laughs> well, I don't know. You may be at four <laughs> or three. We don't know. We don't know. I just, read a, I just read a study on this, and I was actually talking. I think Ruben and I were talking about this up in the hospital, right, when we were visiting Liz. And I had just come across this thing that talked about billionaires and how billionaires get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, whoa, what's this about? And, 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 and this is what it says. At four o'clock in the morning, if you get up, your brain functions at like a higher capacity. And that's why they love getting up at four o'clock. And I didn't know this because I'd see like, I, did, I didn't know that billionaires got up at four. But once I read the thing, I'm like, yeah, because I've read this about billionaires, that they get up at four or five o'clock in the morning. Now, most of us, never really wanted to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, right? Man, if only we had realized this 25 years ago, 30 years ago, we'd be rich. Man, if I could go back in time and tell myself, get up at 4, you lazy bum. (laughs) Now, there was a time that I actually got up at 4 o'clock in the morning, but it wasn't to work on billionaire stuff. It was actually, I, w- I worked at McDonald's and I made biscuits. <laughs> I made biscuits at McDonald's and I would go in and I would, and put the batter in the thing and, it, you know, and Did you think man, I remember one, I, I was one of the best biscuit makers at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think I made like 24 trays of biscuits one morning. Just, and that's a lot of work. It does, it's a lot harder than you think. Mm yeah, it's a lot of biscuits. But anyways, try that out and see if it helps. Um, but he says, you know, just do what it is that you're supposed to be doing whatever the grace that's been given into your life, realize that that's what it is and just do that and it you know in the best possible way that you can do it. Just do it in a way that is just a total blessing to everybody around it. I mean, if your job is to do one of the, if if your gifting is to, you know, do one of these things, what I'm saying is don't do it, you know, just kind of angry or upset or whatever, but do it with just the idea of being a blessing. In fact, he says at the end of that, he says, if your gift, if your place is a, is a gift of mercy, He says, then do it with cheerfulness. Mm -hmm. Do it with cheerfulness. Look at that the end of verse 8. Right? Right. Look at that. He says, uh, with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Mm -hmm. With cheerfulness. Now, can you imagine being one that shows mercy with ugliness, (laughs) with hatefulness, with just, just, you know? Looking down your nose, meanness <laughs> it's not right, it's not right, so God wants us to to do that, so he says, you know, let us use it in our ministry. Uh, let's back back up if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion of our faith now some of us you know there's there's the Billy Grahams of the world thank, thank you Jesus, you know, and then there's Those of us that can talk to a couple people, you know, whatever wherever it is, use use it in accordance with your faith. Ministry, let it let it let us use it in our ministering. If you're serving, right? If you're serving, use it. Serve with with just cheerfulness, with diligence. In teaching, he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. You may have the gift of exhortation. Then exhort. Exhort. I mean, you know those people that have the gift of exhortation. Those are the people you want to be around. Right? Or you should want to be around them. Chances are some of the time, oh, I don't want to be around them. Yeah, you need to be around them. Because those are the people that are going to exhort you. Those are the people that are going to, you know, it may come off you know, hey Brother, you need to get with the program. <laughs> right? Would we would we respect somebody that you know that told us the truth, that exhorted us in in the truth? We get mad, angry, you know. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So we've got to do it. Amen? The idea here is if you ever needed an attorney, you go up to these... uh, attorneys' offices, and I don't know if they do anymore, but they used to say, like, you know, law practice. (laughs) Right? they say, well, I hope he's beyond practicing. I hope he's doing. (laughs) Right? I don't need a lawyer that's practicing to be a lawyer. I need somebody that knows what in the world they're doing. Right? The idea there is... They're doing the law. They're an attorney. They're practicing, right? And that's how we need to see ourselves. You know, if you're out there, I mean, I understand if you were a lawyer, you'd be very very proud to say, what do you do? Well, I have a law practice over here. Really? Practicing law? (laughs) There was a time I wanted to be a lawyer. (laughs) <laughs> really, I, I actually mentioned this in my book in the first chapter. I wanted to be a lawyer um, because I, I, I can, you know, make a good argument for stuff, you know? But um, you gotta practice. Yeah. You gotta do it. Yeah. You gotta do it. And I'll, I'll close with this. I had a friend in college Who by the time we got to my senior year, I had rented a townhouse with a guy right behind the college. A two-bedroom, two and a half bath, two-story with a fireplace and a garage. And I think it was like four hundred and fifty dollars a month or something. Okay? This was like nineteen (laughs) ninety two in Lakeland, Florida. You know? I wish I had gone I could go back in time. Buy up a bunch of those townhouses. Right? So we each had a bedroom. He got the master and I got the other one. We all, we each had our own bathroom. We had a bathroom downstairs. But we had this little place under the stairs that had a, it was like a closet, but it was under the stairs. So we So we had a friend who needed a place to stay. <laughs> so... We said, well, we'll rent you our under the stairs, okay? And you can have the half bath. (laughs) And we were geniuses, me and this guy. So we rented out the under the stairs. And so we actually actually referred to him as under the stairs Steve. (laughs) Under the stairs Steve, good friend, musician. And everything and we 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 played together a couple times and whatever well when we started the church over in orlando he was living in uh, Haines city and uh we we kind of reconnected and everything and he started um you know he was playing with us at the church and uh but he was always talking about what he was gonna do I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a musician. I'm gonna go to Nashville, and I'm gonna. He had a he had an old Jaguar. He bought himself an old Jaguar, and he got the, the personalized plate, Florida plate, SESCAT, Cat, <laughs> because he thought he was like he's gonna be this session player, in uh, in uh, Nashville, right? So man, after after just forever hearing him talk about this, I don't know what got into me one day. Exhortation. The, gift of, the, gift of, um, the gift of exhortation, the gift of prophecy. <laughs> but I looked at him one day and I said, you know what? Stop talking about all this. If you want to do this, then get out of here. Go to Nashville. And he did. And I hadn't heard from him since. <laughs> there's another part of the story which I won't tell you but uh, (sighs) no because I don't want to disparage I don't want to disparage it uh, any because you know sometimes you got to just let stuff go you know you got to let stuff go and you know it's good you know hey he he, he went up to Nashville Um, so anyways go do it Go do it. Go just be the part of the body that God's called you to be and do it with absolute cheerfulness and be built up and be a blessing to everyone around us and just see what a blessing that will be as we move forward.